Okay, our recording is on. I hope everyone is well. We're going to learn a very exciting daf, full of all types of interesting, hopefully mostly familiar concepts. Um, so uh, let's get right to it. So the Gemara had been playing around with different shitas, different approaches um, in terms of chametz falling into a mixture. Under what circumstances is it batel? Uh, do we view it as nullified? Under what circumstances not? So Omar Rava, the very top of the Aflamid, Omar Rava, Hilchza, the Allah is Chametz Bismanoi, Ben Bimina Ben Shalai Biminoi, Asir Bimashahukirav. On Pesach, says Rav. On Pesach, if you have Chametz, whether right it falls into a that falls into a mixture, whether or not it is mixed with something that is uh, like it categorically, typologically, right? Whether or not it's, uh, whether the, mix is, the mixture is um, uh, homogenous or heterogeneous. Um, so, right, regardless of what kind of mixture it is, even a tiny amount is enough to wreck everything. It does not become batel, right? Just like the opinion of Rav that was expressed in the previous stuff. If... It's not Pesach time. It's after Pesach. Whether or not the right, whether the mixture is homogenous or heterogeneous, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's mutter kerebi shimon. Right? It's fine. Why? Because Reb Shimon holds that there's no such prohibition. Right? As we learned, there's no da'iraisa. There's no Torah level prohibition against um, against chametz. Um, Against chametz in uh, the, the after Pesach, there's no you know there's no prohibition against deriving hana from chametz after Pesach. So says the Gemara. But hold on, can Rav have said such a thing? Did Rav not say Rabbi Shimon Knasa Kanis Didn't Rav say that Rabbi Shimon imposed the knas? He said that you have to pay a fine. You have to give up the right to use this chametz, which was kept over Pesach, because after all, the fellow was everybody Rabbi Matzi. That was Rav's pshat in the, the two blad ago. Rav said that Rav Shimon agrees that at least me, the Rabbanon, on a rabbinic level, you're not allowed to use the um, the uh, the chametz shavar Pesach. So on a rabbinic level, you're still prohibited. So how can you say that there's no problem of a mixture of chametz shavar Pesach, chametz, which uh, was in the property of a Jew over the course of Pesach, at least on a rabbinic level, it should be prohibited. Says the Gemara, you're right. That's only to the extent that the chametz is in its original form, right? It's a piece of bread. Once you mix it into a recipe, once you mix it into a mixture, then there's no more rabbinic prohibition. Right? The rabbinic prohibition is only for a solid piece of chametz, a box of Cheerios, a, a loaf of bread. But not for something that's Aide Taraif. Right? Not something that's in a mixture. Okay. The Azdravalutame, and this is Rava going according to his previously expressed line of reasoning. The Omar Rava, Rava says, Nachman. I was at Rav Nachman's house. I was studying by Rav Nachman. Kiavanovki Shivayomi the Pisch at the end of Pesach. Right? As soon as Pesach was over, he said, run to Izzy's. Run to the pizza store. Go get us, right? Izzy's actually a terrible example. <laughs> Run to the baker, right? Run to Safeway and get some bread. Even though the bread was in the possession of a goy, of a non-Jew, right? And it was baked on Pesach Mamish, you know. Nonetheless, it's perfectly acceptable 
right? That's Rava going like Reb Shimon that even Chametz which is owned by a non-Jew, um, or certainly I should say rather Chametz that's owned by a non-Jew can be purchased and enjoyed after Pesach. If if it's if it belongs to a Jew, then there's a rabbinic knas, right? But if it belonged to a non-Jew, then it's totally mut. All right, Amarav, following this kind of general uh, thrust, says the Gemara, Amarav, Kideiros bePesach Yishov. Let's say a person has earthenware pots and he makes a mistake. He makes some chametz, he cooks some chametz on Pesach in this kedera, in this pot. What should he do? Says Rav, you have no choice. You have to smash it. You have to shatter the pot. Vamai, says the Gemara, why do I have to smash it? Rather than smashing the pot, I have a simple solution. You should take the pot, you should leave the pot till after Pesach. And then, right, you certainly can use it on Pesach, right? But after Pesach, go and prepare a mixture, right? Make, let's say you made, a, you know, I don't know what. I'm, I'm, not, I'm actually, I always get confused with what qualifies Minan and Shleib I have not uh, really gone through that very much. So I'm going to just say, um, right, uh, uh, you have, you should you should cook another sort of, of food, Right, which is shaloyim b'mina, a different, an alternative type of food. You make knead lach. Now you should cook uh, um, kogo, and right v'levad bu And by that process, what will you do? You will not right the the small bit, the small amount of chametz that's in that pot that's absorbed in the pot. Right, the flavor of the bread that's absorbed in the pot is going to now mix into this larger permitted mixture, and it'll be fine. Says the Gemara, Gezeira Dilma Asu Lemebad Behu Beminoi. Right, there's a Gezeira, there's a rabbinic ordinance which says you're not allowed to do that because you may come to make more Knedlach. You may come to make the same thing that you made the first time around. And in that case, the Bittel, the nullification will not be effective. That's one of the rules. Beminoi doesn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't nullify in the same way. So therefore, um, we don't allow it whatsoever. Shmuel Omar, Shmuel says, Lo right? Don't, don't smash them. Right? He says that you should actually do this. You should simply keep it till, uh, till after Pesach. And you can actually make whether right? you, you can actually make any kind of food, even the same kind of food. Why does he hold that? How can you say such a thing? What do you mean? There's flavor of chametz in these pots. How can you enjoy, how can you consume the chametz taste, the chametz flavor that remains in the pots? Says the Gemara, the Azda Shmuel This is Shmuel following his previously expressed line of reasoning. Sorry, somebody told me that he was planning on joining us, and I see he's not here, so I want to make sure he wasn't trying to get through to me. Okay, didn't make it. Right? How can Shmuel say that you can cook in these pots which contain chametz uh, al pesach absorbed into their walls? He says, "Oh no, Shmuel actually held like Reb Shimon. Shmuel one time even threatened the pot sellers, the potters. You better not hike up the price too high on your pots." Right? It sounds like a, a lot of people used to mess up and cook chametz in their pots over pesach. I don't really know how that happened. Maybe they, maybe the, the, the they left the dough like in there too long. I'm not quite sure exactly why this was such a common problem, but apparently the price of pots used to shoot up after Pesach because everyone ended up having to smash their pots at some point over the course of Pesach. So Shmuel, you better 
right? Uh, I, I don't care about the law of supply and demand. You better get in, get in shape, right? I'm going to, I'm imposing some market controls on you. Otherwise I'll wipe you out. I'll tell everyone that the Allah is like Rib Shimon and then no one will smash their pots whatsoever, right? No one will smash their pots whatsoever um, uh, because after all, Rib Shimon holds that Chametz Shavrala Pesach, right? Chametz post-Pesach is completely mutter. You can derive all the benefit you want. So the Gemara says, obviously, we see Shmuel, Shmuel's not giving an empty threat. Shmuel honestly holds the halachas like Rib Shimon. That's why Shmuel held that you can simply keep your earthenware pots till after Pesach. It says the Gemara, hold on, right? The obvious question. <laughs> it would be a lot more helpful if you would actually teach them this. If you would say, right, hello, the halachas like Rib Shimon. Why, why is he letting the pot sellers, why is he letting this misconception persist among the public that, um, that, um, that you don't have to, that, that you have to buy new pots. <laughs> you keep your old pots. After all, he holds, he objectively holds the halacha to be in accordance with the Shimon. Says the Gemara, there's a simple answer. It was Rav City. It was Rav City. So it would be totally inappropriate and rude for Shmuel to preach his sheep, his opinion in Rav City. However, when he saw the social problem that was going on, the fiscal, right, the uh, socioeconomic issue that presented itself, he said, listen, I'm ready to go to war against the Rav publicly in order to get you guys to bring the price down. So you better do it on your own, which apparently was enough to, uh, to whip them into shape. Okay. On a similar note, there was an oven. It was smeared with grease from meat. Like that was a way to, I think, um, kind of how we would like season a cast iron uh, skillet or something, right? So they they seasoned it with um, with meat grease, with meat fat. So Asrei Rava Bar Ahiloi Filu Rava Bar Ahiloi is not a name I don't can recall encountering elsewhere in the Gemara. He prohibited eating the bread, even with salt, right? Forget with milking, forget with cream cheese, right? You, you can't even eat it with salt. You can't even have the bread plain. Why? Because you may come to eat it in kutach. Kutach is this, um, is this uh, dairy product that they used to make, and they still make to this day in the, uh, in the Middle and Near East, um, under many different names. Once I actually did some research into this, it seems pretty repulsive to me, but I think it still is popular. It's a fermented dairy product. Um, and that was a very popular thing to spread on bread. Um, a very popular thing to spread on bread. Oh, welcome, Wayne. That was a very popular thing to spread on bread. And uh, we're concerned to you. People are going to eat this bread, which was baked in a fleshiga oven, an oven which is totally dripping with meat, right? And they're going to smear milchig on it. They're going to put cream cheese on it. So it's a real danger. And no one was allowed to eat any bread that was baked in that oven. Says the Gemara, hold on a sec. Meisve, we're towards the bottom of that lamanam nav. Meisve. Ein and esa isa You're not supposed to um, knead your dough with milk. Vimlash, if you do need your dough with milk, kolha paskula asurv neher glave, right? You're not allowed to eat any of the bread because you may come to eat the bread with meat, right? So so the chachamim say the bread has to be disposed of, you know, one's allowed to eat. Kayoitzaboy, similarly, ain't toshin esatan or ba'alia, right? Similar to what, similarly, seemingly similarly to what we just described, you're not allowed to grease an oven with an alia. The, so the tail of a sheep is loaded with fat. So they would take the fat tail of the sheep and rub down the hot oven with the imtosh. If you do do that, kola pas kula asura, all the bread that's baked 
is prohibited because he might eat it with cream cheese. What is the solution? Says the Gemara, it's not such a big deal. All you have to do is rekindle the oven, right? You put in new, new wood, you light a new fire, you burn out the oven. All you have to do is burn out the oven. So why did Rav Barahiloi have to make such a sweeping gezeira, a sweeping? I said, oh, no one is ever, ever allowed to eat the bread that's made in this oven. All you need is to, is to burn out the oven. You just need to turn on the self clean, right? And burn out the oven and it's problem solved. Says the Gemara, you know what? You're right. Rav Barahiloi was mistaken. Rav Barahiloi is refuted. Okay. And now we're turning, now we're, we, we've now turned onto the Halam and All right. I'm Leravino Leravashi. So finally, in the last stages of the Sugya, the last generation of Amir Roy, and Ravina says to Ravashi, arguably second last. Once we know that Ravabar Ahiloi is refuted, why do you have to smash your earthenware pots after Pesach if they became chametz? Like let's say you accidentally we mentioned earlier, you accidentally made chametz in these pots, right? So if you accidentally made chametz on a pot in a pot on Pesach, you got to smash the pot. Why? Right? Why is this ta'alacha? Why don't you just fire up the oven, fire light up a fire, and place the pot on the fire, and let and burn out the pot? Simply burn out the pot, just like you can burn out the earthenware oven, you can burn out the earthenware pot. Omar lay Ravashi countered, it's not an earthenware oven. We're talking about a metal oven. A metal oven, you can kasher by blasting the fire by burning it out. An earthenware pot, right? Earthenware pot um, uh, does. Uh, we have a halachic principle that no matter how much fire you blast it with, you're not getting that flavor out. It's just the flavor is lodged, right? The, I believe that uh, this is in reference to what Chazal said. Right? That flavor does not. Right? Rashi quotes here: the flavor never leaves the walls of the um, of the pot. Okay, so says the Gemara as follows. Says the Gemara as follows. Viboy Seima, potentially another answer. It's possible that even the story of um, even the halacha we just said about the oven, rather, is talking about an earthenware oven, right? Even the oven is earthenware. Okay, so how can I burn out? Didn't we say that it's not possible to burn out an earthenware oven? It says the Gemara, it depends. When you burn out an earthenware oven, that's the, the in that case, the fire is inside the vessel, right? The oven is basically like a giant, um, uh, like, I think it's a kind of beehive-shaped uh, earthenware construction. And you fill it full of fire. You fill it full of coals, hot coals, right? So it's burning hot. It's, it is an incredibly high level of heat. That does the trick. However, the pot, the zeh has taken me It's pot, the way, to, the, way to, the way to get heat up a pot is only by heating it from the outside. You can't really heat a pot from the inside. That says the Gemara, is that really so? Maybe I should fire the inside. Maybe I should take a blowtorch to the inside. Says the Gemara, we don't trust you. Because right? the guy's not going to do a good job. Technically, the Gemara concedes you could, right? You could use, uh, you could kindle a fire inside the pot. You could do that. 
but we don't trust you. We're afraid that you're going to be you're going to be nervous the whole time. Your pot's going to break, right? Because of the intensity of the heat on the inside is a very intense heat. Ovens are made to not you know shatter under the heat from the inside, so that that that's more reasonable that you'll just you're simply just going to kindle a new fire. But to say to to, to kindle a fire inside an earthenware pot, that's a lot to ask, and chances are the guy's not going to do a very efficient job. Okay, says the Gemara Hilkach, but therefore, hi buchya. So there was a kind of um. Uh, uh, a kind of vessel which was made out of like a tile material. Yeah, I saw somebody suggest maybe it's a griddle. It's made out of tiles. Earthenware tiles. Since the heat, right, is, uh, I don't have a, a, a much of a mental picture of what this looks like, but since the heat is applied from the outside, right, the heat is not internal. So it's us, or you're not, there's no way to kosher it. And there's no way to kosher it. However, there is one eitza. There's one. There's one trick you can do is the malugumri shaper dummy. You can fill it with burning coals, right? If we ask you to take, I guess, a blowtorch or something or whatever the medieval equivalent was, and hold it there, you're not going to do a good job. But you're going to be afraid it's going to break. But if you load it full of coals, right? If you load it full of coals, um, no, it's not really that. Uh, well, okay, it's arguable actually whether whether it's. Uh, whether it's because loading it full of coals is basically not under your control and it doesn't really matter what you want once you fill it full of coals, or that it, this kind of griddle um, is technically able to be heated to a higher heat, then you're not going to be nervous about it. All right. Amalei Ravina Ravashi, another conversation Ravina Ravashi. Let's say you have some wonderful chef's knives, right? Can you imagine selling this? To, uh, to your wife, you have these beautiful chef's knives, and instead of having a different set for Pesach, you'd rather use the same set. Actually, I think people who have like really expensive chef's knives probably are pretty tempted to do this if they're, if they're into cooking. I want to use the same knife, so what should I do? So Amalei says, Ravashi, no big deal. We just make new knives, right? We, we, you know, we don't pachka around with kasher and knives. We make new knives. Amalei. So Orvina says to him, well, that's all right for you because you're wealthy. Ravashi was wealthy, Rashi tells him. Right? How about the rest of us, hoi poloi? How about us uh, average Joes? What are we supposed to do? So Ravashi says, oh, no, no, don't, don't misconstrue me. I'm not that rich. I wasn't just, I wasn't just dropping money on brand new knives every Pesach. Right. What I mean is, I make them good as new. How's that? How do I? In other words, what he means is he restores them to a neutral kosher status. Right. The same way that if let's say you have treif uh, utensils, so you kosher them and now they're neutral. Like you say they're paraf, right? Until you use them for meter flame, meter milk. So, so too, that's what Ravashi meant. Ravashi meant I restored them to a neutral kosher status. How do I do that? Right? And then I can use them on Pesach. They're Pesach now. They can be Pesach. How do I do it? Katayu betina. He would coat the handles. I suppose the handles were wood or leather or something. So he would coat the handles in mud to act as like a fireproof um, coating. And I blast the knives with fire, right? I throw them in a, like in a, a, a kiln or something. Like he throws them in a, in a blacksmith's oven, right? So you, you subject them to a great deal of heat. And that's enough to kasha them over an open flame. Then what do I do? I clean the mud off the handles and I put the handles into boiling water, right? Put the handles into boiling water, right? So the purpose of both of those things is to remove whatever has been absorbed, right? Whatever we, we say that uh, food particles get absorbed in the kalim in the vessels and you're trying to get them out. You're trying to bring them out of the mixture in order 
to render these things uh, kosher, right? Or non stick. Um, right, and the problem is you can't plunge the wooden handles into an open fire because they will burn up. It says the Gemara, what's the halacha? You actually don't have to bother with the flame, right? The Gemara says you don't actually actually use an open flame. You can plunge both of them into boiling water. So if you're adding bracha, so uh, Pesach time, Yaakov Feldman has a big pot of boiling water. And anyone who needs the kasha comes and they drop everything into the big pot of boiling water. You have to be very, very careful. You have to wear long gloves because that water is very, very hot, but it is something that's perfectly doable, and people do it all the time to kasha their utensils for Pesach. Okay. Amr of Yeshua says of in the name of Rabbi Yeshua, eight parur, if you have a wooden ladle, right? A wooden knife. I don't know if ladle is quite the right way to describe it, but it's like a soup stir. It's like a paddle or something. So, um, right? So you use it to stir soup that's full of matzo balls. It's full of hummus, right? Full of noodles, right? So, so you want to now use the same soup stir on Pesach. So you got a problem, right? First, you have to sneak it by your wife. And second, you have to kasher. So, right? You have to plunge it into boiling hot water, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention earlier that we had Clerishan before as well. Clerishan, what does that mean? Clerishan is the first or primary vessel, right? A Clerishan is the pot that's on the flame, right? The pot that's on the flame, that's a Clerishan. The next thing you transfer it into is a Clerishani. So let's say you're making a coffee on Shabbos, right? So you do Clerishan, Clerishani, Clerishishi. Sorry, from today we do a Clerishishi. Um, although as, as Stan has mentioned in the past, in the old days, it wasn't so, uh, it's not always how people did things, but um but uh, today, people like to do a klishlishi. It's a good, it's a nice chumr to keep. None <laughs> um, of my business. But anyway, uh, uh, so that's a klishlishi. means the pot, the pot that's on the flame. Right? Why does he say that? What does that do? Because he holds, right, this general principle in kashering stuff. That the same level of heat at which the flavor was absorbed into the vessel, it takes that level of heat to expel it out of the sides of the vessel, the same level of heat, the same cooking method. So as long as we repeat, right? So in other words, a soup stir, what does it get stuck into? Into boiling liquid. So stick it into boiling liquid to kasher it. You don't have to do, right? You can't, you can't stick it into an open flame. It'll, it'll burn, right? So it says the Gemara, you don't need to. You only need to put it into boiling liquid because that's how it got the common flavor in it in the first place. Okay. Bo minei mei ameimar. They asked the meimar as follows. Hani money de cunha. So there were these special, um, there was there were glazed earthenware vessels, something like uh, 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 porcelain or the like. Um, glazed earthenware vessels. Can we use these glazed vessels on Pesach? Right? I have glazed dishes I use during the year. Can I use the same ones on Pesach? It says the Gemara, Yeruka Loitiboy Loch, the Vade Asiri. Right, so apparently there were different uh, methods um, uh, of doing, of creating this glaze. So one of them used alum, right? So alum uh, re- gives you like a green coating, a green glaze. So, right, uh, so, so uh, the Gemara says, that there's no question about. Why Rashi says it's a very, there's something about the, uh, the nature of this, uh, this coating that makes it very actually exceptionally susceptible to the Leah, to absorbing flavor, right? However, so in other words, once you use it with chametz, so it's full of chametz flavor, and you certainly can't use it on Pesach. 
The only question is, what about white and black ones? There was a different method which rendered white or black vessels. Right, so what's the halacha then? What's the halacha can I use these dishes from non-Pesach time to Pesach time? When they have cracks, there's no question, there's no question that certainly the vessels are prohibited if they have cracks, right? Because the cracks, right, you have the chametz get stuck in the, stuck in the cracks. I'm talking about smooth ones, ones that are still in good shape. My, what's the halacha? So Amemar says back, I've noticed that um, the, the, this uh, substance that the dishes are made out of is kind of porous, right? I see, I've noticed after, it sounds like he did some experimentation, after long observation, he noticed that liquid comes out, liquid slowly seeps through the sides of the vessel. It doesn't sound so useful. Um, but what does that prove? Al-Mabali, right? That proves that they're absorbing flavor. If they're porous, they're absorbing flavor. But Assyria, and therefore they're prohibited. And he's just reiterating the general rule that the Gemara really invoked earlier, which is that when it comes to earthenware vessels, right? In other words, underneath the glaze, underneath the coating, these are earthenware vessels. Once we're talking about earthenware vessels, there's no way to kasher. There's no way to kasher an earthenware vessel because they earthenware vessels hold on to their flavor very, very tightly and don't give it up easily. Therefore, you can't kasher them. Says the Gemara, hold on. Why is this any different than yayinesa? Different from yayinesa, rather, right? When it comes to yayinesa, wine which was used to be poured as libation for avodasara, the darsh mreimar mreimar taught money dekunya. Right, glazed vessels, bain uchma, bain chivu, bain yuruke, right? Both black, white, and even green. Shari, they're all permitted. In other words, if it was used to store wine belonging to Goyim, we suspect that it's Yahinesach, we suspect that it was used for idolatrous worship. However, nonetheless, you're allowed to use these vessels, so it must be. We don't consider it to have absorbed, right? Uh, we don't consider it to have absorbed. Um, um, we don't consider it to have absorbed. The, uh, the flavor of the wine. Maybe you'll tell me this suspicion of is merely a banan, but is a prohibition, which is deraisa. Yainesach issue here is merely rabbinic. But the chametz here is deraisa, says the Gemara. That's not it, because called the Takan Rabbanon came deraisa Takan. We have a general rule, which is when the Chachamim Institute, like an Isser, something that's prohibited, they mimic the rules of the Dairaisa. They mimic the rules um, of a corresponding Torah prohibition. So if it would have made sense to have this rule when it comes to the Torah prohibition, it makes sense to have it in reference to rabbinic prohibition as well. And we see we don't. We see that there is no prohibition of using these glazed vessels, even the green ones, even the green ones. So why can't I use my my um, money de kunya, my glazed vessels from before Pesach through Pesach itself? Right, even though I use them for chametz, I should be allowed to use them on Pesach as well. Oh my lay! So he responded, key key distinction. Right, the dishes we're talking about here, they're used with hot food, and when hot food gets into the mix, that's a much bigger issue. Yayin Nesach, wine is not hot. Wine is room temperature. I recall you. 
It's not hot. So therefore, it's not absorbed, right? It's not absorbed in the same way, I should say. There is a certain level of absorption from soaking, whatever, but um, it's not absorbed in the same way. However, when you, once you're talking about heated vessels that are used to contain hot food, then they get absorbed in a whole different way. And that's why, again, you're not allowed to use these chametz vessels on Pesach, even though they have a glaze, which, uh, which to some extent keeps out absorption. But as we said, Amemar observed that some absorption nonetheless happens. All right. Amar Rav Bar Abba, Amar Rebchia Bar Ashi, Amar Shmuel, almost the Mishnah. Says Rabbi Abbas is Rashi name Shmuel. Kol hakelim shneshtam shubohem chametz b'tzayne mishdamish be'matzah. Yeah, this is another one you have to sneak past your wife. All the vessels that were used for chametz, but only for cold use. Right? Let's say you have a bread box. Right? You have a bread box. You don't put hot bread into your bread box. You only ever put room temperature bread into your bread box. No problem, right? Just give it a good wash, mishdamish be'matzah, and use your bread box to keep matzah. No problem. With one exception, what's a base se'or? So those of us who like to play around with sourdough know what a base se'or is. The base se'or is the jar, right, that you keep your uh, sourdough, your levan, your sourdough starter in. So the, the sourdough is very, very potent. It's a very powerful chimut. It's a very powerful um, uh, uh, leavening. Right, so the base or the container for the very sourdough itself, because it's, it has this like the, the flavor of the of the of the sourdough uh, container. That's like a really really powerfully absorbed um, uh, flavor, and it, that's like stronger. It's much harder. It's not really possible uh, to escape from that flavor. Right, even without heat, the flavor goes into the walls. Amar Ravashi says Ravashi. Ubeis charoises. Similarly, base charoises. What's a base charoises? It sounds very familiar because charoises. But and, and the words are uh, the, the terms are related, right? It's a spice container. Let's say you have a container full of spices. So spices can have a bite. It can be spicy. So since the spices have a bite, um, they transmit the flavor of the chametz as well, even without heat. All right. Omar Rava says Rava, Hani Agni de Mechuzah. So there were particular breads which people were used to, uh, bowls rather, like troughs, big wide uh, containers that were used um, in Mechuzah and that in the town of Mechuzah. Since um, people are, th- th- this is where they needed their bread. They needed their bread in these big dishes. And then they store, right, the, uh, the leaven, I think the leaven dough. Um, in them, right? They have the status of a base or of a leaven container, right? Which has that kind of powerful flavor of of leavening that can't really be gotten out, and it comes even with heat. Says the Gemara, Pshita, that's obvious, right? If anything that you're playing around with sourdough and is going to have a sourdough flavor, we already knew that. Says the Gemara, you might think because these dishes are particularly wide, so maybe the air kind of gets in there and, and lowers the intensity of the flavor absorption, Kamash Milan, that there's no such phenomenon, and the distinction does not apply, and you cannot use these dishes on Pesach. Okay. Now we're just going to read this Mishnah, and then we're going to pick up the rest of the Daf Bez Hashem tomorrow. Let's say a non-Jew lends money to a Jew. Right, the Jew has to borrow some money, so he goes, he borrows $10,000 from, from his non-Jewish neighbor. 
And the Jew gives the guy chametz's collateral, right? He has some, uh, he has a big stash of bread or something somewhere. And he says, here's collateral. Here's a few thousand dollars worth of collateral. Um, and this extends till after Pesach, right? The Jew, unfortunately, is not able to pay up his loan in time. And the non-Jew is holding on to the bread. So, so what do we do? That's bread that technically, right on the books and in my ledger, it belongs to me. And now it was in the home of a non-Jew, but I couldn't get it back because it was it was a, a, a collateral, right? The kind of kind of how collateral works is that you don't get it back until you pay up your loan. So, what do I do? Should we should we view it as chametz over al pesach? Should we look at it as chametz which has uh, which belonged to a Jew over pesach? And no one's allowed to have any benefit from. It. Says the Gemara, no. Says the Mishnah, no. Mutter no. You're allowed to have benefit. Why? says Rashi, since for all practical purposes, and the Gemara is going to explain this later, since for all practical purposes, this bread, this chametz belonged to the guy because the fellow didn't pay him back. And the assumption was that if the guy can't come up with the money, he's going to have to let him keep the bread or whatever chametz he has. So therefore, essentially, it's the guy's chametz. The chametz belongs to the non-Jew. So therefore... If the Jew manages to get it back by paying up his loan after Pesach, or even if he doesn't, even if some other Jew comes along and gets his hands on this bread, right? That he buys some from the non-Jew, he's allowed to derive benefit from it because, um, because it technically, for all and for all practical purposes, rather, right, uh, belong to the non-Jew. Of course, the flip side is Yisrael shall have a goyal chametz yachar Pesach. I'm sorry. There no question. I thought I had a question. Sorry. Okay. Right now, on the flip side, um, if you have a Jew who lent money to a Gentile, to a non-Jew, right? And then the non-Jew says, oh, here's some bread as collateral. Right? The, the standard goes both ways. We view that as the bread belonging to the Jew because the non-Jew can't get it back. And the Jew has it for all practical purposes. And therefore, another Jew or the same Jew cannot derive any benefit from it on, uh, on Pesach or after Pesach, um, according to Rav Yehuda and even according to Rav Shimon, Mi, De, Rabbonah. Okay, we will start the Gemara Be'ezus Hashem tomorrow.